I knew from high school, I wanted to do two things. Either I was going to be a teacher or a doctor, or I was playing in the NFL. And that's what it was. And that was my goal. I knew that's where my heart always was with those kids. And I always realized how much they needed someone like me. Welcome to Black Educators Matter. This is more than a moment. It's a movement. Hey, it's Danielle. Welcome to Black Educators Matter. Our goal is to share the stories of 500 Black educators. We will celebrate the impact and achievements, learn from the lessons and challenges, and highlight the important roles that educators play in all of our lives. I'm excited to welcome today's guest to our show. As a do now, please tell us your name, your role in education, and answer the question, why do Black educators matter? My name is Michael Anthony Norwood Jr. I am a PE teacher slash athletic director. Black educators matter because we need more resources. I feel as though as a Black man, my students need to see people of color leading them and teach them and instruct them because we can actually relate and we're actually able to get us out their mindset to where they actually know that, hey, I can be great no matter what somebody tells me all day because I'm seeing this person in front of me do the same thing every day. And despite all the circumstances that I face as a teacher, he still shows up every day. He still motivates us. And he still does, he still expresses us to be great. And this, he's possibly like our parent. So being a black educator these days is more like a, I want to say it's a, it's actually bigger than being a president of the United States. It's big, it's bigger than being the mayor of Chicago. It's bigger than being a governor because we deal with, you know, we deal with students eight, eight, ten hours a day. So we're almost like a parent. You know, we're like a parent to these children. And if we're not impacting their lives as role models, we're, we're not we're just giving them a disservice. So I think that uh, being a black educator, you know, is, is huge. It's, it's essential. It's very essential. I mean, you know, when I was growing up, um, I didn't have that many black African-American teachers. I was in the suburbs of Chicago. And the ones I did have taught me great, valuable life lessons. And I'm still friends with some of them to this day. We can grade school. So the thing is that, you know, you know, being a black educator, I want to share, I want to pass on to what I've learned, you know, to, to, to the youth, to the new generation. Come on, new generation. And who do we have sitting next to you? This is my lovely wife, Tiffany Norwood. Hello. Hello, Tiffany um, Norwood. Tell us your role in education, and then you answer the question, why do black educators matter? And you can say your name, too. Uh, my name is Tiffany Mary Norwood. I am a first grade teacher assistant. As far as why black role models matter in education, honestly, just to piggyback what my husband said, um, I feel like with the youth, especially where we live on the South Side, there needs to be more representation in the classroom. And so having someone that looks like you is, is able to be more relatable in the classroom. And students, I notice, seem to respond better um, when they have someone that is really so I feel like that's one of the main points of being a teacher is that you have to relate to the students in order to get to them and reach them. Now, are you from Chicago? I am from Chicago. Um, I lived, I was born in Chicago and then we moved when I was about six to the suburbs. And then my husband and I, we decided to move back to the city about nine years ago. It was about nine years ago now. I'm bitter since we don't see ourselves leaving. <laughs> <laughs> were you educated in the suburbs, both of you? I know, Michael, you said that you were educated in the suburbs growing up. 
Yes, I was born in Chicago. I was born outside of Chicago. And then uh, when I turned eight years old, my neighbor got really, really bad. And my dad was a, he was a Cook County sheriff and you know, U.S. Marshal. So he decided for his safety and the family to move us to the suburbs. Okay. You know, suburbs. And he would never thought, I mean, he told me this. I would never thought when I moved you guys to the suburbs, I mean, once you got older, you'll move back to the city. You know, so out of six siblings, three of us moved to the city of Chicago. Yeah. You had to come I, home. Uh, What's interesting about my story is that I'm a product of, of a private school. I went for about about 12 years of my life. So basically pre-K all the way to eighth grade. And then my parents decided to put me in a public school and high school. And honestly, truly, I feel like public school had gave me more of experience, real life experiences. And then I didn't actually run into any people of color until I went to a public school. So it was actually an eye-opening experience for me. It gave me like the wealth and knowledge that I needed to be like inspired. Cause I felt like being younger, not really having that representation. Like I didn't see where I would fit, especially not really seeing that as like role models. So it was really nice um, when I had gotten to a public school. So I knew me going to the teaching profession, I definitely wanted to, make sure that I could be like a, a, of an image or someone that could be relatable. So that's kind of like a big thing for me. Relatability and representation is so key and so clutch, especially like you said, as a first grade teacher assistant for the babies to see you and feel comfortable and feel safe with you uh, is so important. Michael, you said that you are currently a PE teacher. Yes, I'm a PE teacher and athletic director. And athletic director. So walk us through your journey. So you came back to Chicago and moved back. What made you decide that you wanted to become an educator? Okay, so it's so I, I don't need some time with this. So I hope your next appointment is okay. <laughs> um, as far as me, so going, you know, coming out of a great. So I was actually in the suburbs from third grade through you know my uh, senior high school, and for me. When I was out there, you know, I was I was a, I was a victim of being bullied. I was going through a lot of tough things. My my teachers were the ones who actually kept me on the straight and narrow path. Because I never told my parents I was bullied. I was a victim of being bullied, and my teachers always kind of been you know promising to me. They were very catering, nurturing. It was like it was awesome. Like they knew what was going on, and they really couldn't stop at the time. It was, bullying wasn't really a big thing back then. But wait, who was bullying was like, you? Who who was? Because you keep going. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Who was bullying yeah. you? So it's crazy. I went through a, I went through, I would say, every time I moved to the, I first moved to the suburbs until I was a junior high school, I was, I was victimized being bullied. By who? My, I mean, like, when I say my, by who, like, peers. classmates? My, yes, classmates, peers, you know, guys in the neighborhood, females in the neighborhood. It was rough. I was a big kid, but I was, like, right now, I'm, I'm more bigger and stocky now because I, you know, I was playing football, you know, professionally. But for me, it was like I was always athletic. I had skills, but that my family was poor. So you know, my dad, my dad worked those, my dad worked three jobs to put food on the table, but we didn't have much. You know, like I didn't get my first pair of Nikes until seventh grade. My dad used to take Jordash from Payless and scratch out the ash part and put Jordan and leave the Jordan on there. So like, and my clothes, were, I mean, my clothes were run down, beat up. Sometimes we had, you know, we smelled. So it was. It was back when mom cooked fish like before. You know, she, I mean, we had no iron board, so she was at the kitchen table. And, you know, stuff like that. So those smells got our clothes. We used to talk about that. People said I was fat and ugly and stuff like that. So um, all that tied in 
and also as well as my fellow teachers who taught me to kind of mold me into becoming a teacher. I knew from high school I wanted to do two things. Either I was going to be a teacher or a doctor, or I was playing in the NFL. And that's what it was. And that was my goals. So, like, when I went to college, like, I, I went to college, I started off, well, I, I, let's go back. I don't want to jump ahead. I don't really want to jump ahead. But the bullying and the teacher mentorship really came in hand for me because it uh, it gave me a vision of what I could be because I realized that my teachers were more influential at sometimes more than my parents was. And I had great parents. I had great parents. But the thing about it, the teachers, they were there. They was able to see the social aspect of what I was dealing with. So the so the bullying impacted my learning. They was able to work with me. I didn't have IEP. Um, I wasn't left as a learn disabled, but my teachers kind of they worked, they they worked with me. They they kept telling me to believe in me. They give me little notes saying, Mike, keep keep trying. I was not an A B student in grade school at all. And when I got to high school, you know, the bullying was still going on, but my athletics and sports kept me really motivated to keep on moving forward. And that's when my grades started to grow. Like they started to grow dramatically. From that point, by the time I was a junior, I was an all-known, all-area all athlete, known in the state of Illinois. So, like, I was a big-time wrestler. So, like, people had that, okay, we bullied him all this time, but we see it's not really working towards him. He's still hitting his goals. And, like, I, can t- I honestly, right now, I can – Literally, turn your camera around, and you'll see all this whole giant wall raise all my accolades. Because one thing about me is that I use my athleticism to push me forward. So like, no matter what happened, no matter what was bullying going on, no matter what the girls that like me or not, I didn't care. My goal was to get education, learn, and play sports as best of my abilities, and keep moving forward. So that's what I did. So, And then when it took me to college, I, I struggled in college. Four schools in six years. Mm. You know, they graduated my bachelor's degree. But the thing was that when I got to college, it was like, oh, my God, my athlete, this is freedom. I never had this because I was so bald, really, and tormented so much. The one thing that never left me was being in education. I started off with a history, a history major at first. And then my, my sophomore year, I decided I wanted to go on to PE. My third school was NIU, and I did horrible there because I was partying. You know, I wasn't being focused. I had a, one of my classes in high school was in all my classes. And she said, what are you, what you doing, you know? Mike, you're supposed to be great. We're home. What's going on? You're supposed to be, you know, graduating and you're messing around. I didn't mess around. And, and real quick to jump, well, I'll say five years from that time, she was a teacher at the high school I worked at. I was a parent pro. And she always would tell me, Candace Boost. Mm-hmm. She always said, like, Mike, you know, don't take school seriously. I can't like, I'm doing the rug. But great things always happen. Um, I had a, a midlife crisis at age 22. I'll never forget it. I was at NIU. Oh, it was Christmas. It was Christmas Eve. We was passing out gifts. And I'll never forget the letter I got. Never forget it. It was a letter from NIU stating that I was academically dismissed on Christmas Eve. And my parents gave me these gifts. And I'm like, oh my God, what am I gonna do? And I said, I'm sorry, parents, I can't take these gifts. I showed my parents the letter. My I'll never forget my dad sitting sitting in the corner of the couch. And he said, Okay. So what you gonna do next? And I looked at him and I was like, I'm gonna finish. I went to community college, took some classes. Uh and I let me, I got back into NIU. I took it was a psychology class they had there. It, I'm sorry, it was uh it was physical science. 
I think it was physical science, really. It was one of the hardest courses taken at the university. The year, I, the, year uh, the teacher I worked with, one-on-one, she helped me out a lot. She taught me a lot. I took my final. I had the highest final the whole entire school year for all the students that took that one class. And her name was Miss Miss Alexander. She was a chemist. She was a chemist at some plant in Naperville. I was able to transfer those, those classes to North Central College, where I went played college football and I did college football track and powerlifting. And I was able to graduate with my bachelor's degree. And the thing I always tell my students now, like, I had struggles at NIU because NIU, I was playing rugby. I was partying. Like, I wasn't focused. North Central, smaller school. And NIU has about, I think, like 20,000 students. North Central only had 3,000 students. And I was able to go there, play football, stay focused. It was a Methodist school, so they kind of got me, you know, they kind of got me in the ringer. But it made me understand more about myself. One thing I learned about North Central was that when I was a student there, they really, really harbored if I was a black male. They really harbored on the fact I was a black male. And my advisor, who's the AD there right now, told me, you're going to graduate from here. A lot of blacks come here and don't graduate. We're going to make sure you graduate. And they put things in place for me. And I was like, it was amazing. Um, I had tutoring services. I had uh, my teammates help me out. And then by the time my, my senior year came, kicked in, I was rock and rolling. And to, to cross that stage, I was still, I was still to credit short. And I, and I, I crossed stage, still cross stage. I ended up in 04. I went to the combine, which was a football combine. I didn't get picked up right away by any team. So time lapsing, I wasn't really working after that. And then I ended up saying, my mom was like, hey, Mike, I got a, I got a job offering at a short term assistant, TA, at Red South High School. And I was like, Okay, I'll take it, I'll take it, I'll take it. I'm not going to call it all right. Now. I talk a lot more. I got it on my own free will. And then I got to work in the classroom. My first year at Red South, I was TA for math, science, history, and English. Mm. Four subjects at the day. Four subjects. Mm. And, the, and the crazy thing about it is, and Cheney would tell you this, I had enough knowledge and skills to master the content where the teacher would tell me, Mike, run a lesson. And he sat back in the chair one times. And that's how and that's how I got started to get my first classroom taste. Jamie, I heard you mention about goals, going all out and living successfully. One day I'll never forget was, I was in the back of his classroom. And he was talking about, oh, no, I want you to lead a lesson. And I was like, I'm gonna teach goals to these kids. And he was like, he wrote on the board. I'll never forget it. He wrote out goals. And he's like, what does it mean? I'm like, hmm, going out, but going out. It was like going out all living successfully. And he was like, that got a let's bring to it. And the whole lesson that day was we teach students, we teach students how to become goal-oriented. Because one thing about me, I've always done, and a lot of people know this, I've always set goals for myself. No matter what was going on, I set goals. And my parents' house to this day right now, if you open the basement door and open it up, there's a sticker with an apple on it, and there's a list of goals I made in 2004. And it's still on that door to this day. And one of the goals was to um, play football professionally, which I did. I played in Brazil, played with Team USA. I had a trial to Canada, did that, so that was cool. I accomplished that. Then the last way to get my education. Uh, three years later from that point, I was I was still aiding at Red South. Chanel left, and then I was aiding from the guy named Mr. Curry. And when I became his aide, he told me, Michael, why you don't have your bachelor's degree? And I was like, I had two classes to take. When he first mentioned that, 
all it was such a small amount of money. They took they tried to take me to court. Say, hey, you gotta pay this money. So mommy and my mom went up to the school. I worked out with the president, loved me anyway. He worked, worked out a deal where I would take my two classes at community college, transfer back in, pay my money, and I would graduate. And in 2010, I graduated my bachelor's degree. And then from that point on, I was still parent for for three more years prior after that. And then um, I got my sub license, so I was still teaching up a lot. And then I, one of my jobs off that, I, I was at Evergreen Park High School in 2012, 2013 school year. Evergreen Park is one of those, it's, it's nearby Chicago, but it ain't Chicago. Meaning that the demographics is not us at all. And they really don't like our kind out there. So when I got there, I was a pair pro, coached football, wrestling, and track. All three teams I coached, all three teams made it downstate for the school. All three teams made it downstate. And we we, we, we missed the state championship football by one match. I qualified a whole girls track team. All these white girls, two black girls. I qualified them for the IHSA state championships. It was awesome. It was awesome. Because I hate because she was she had to leave out. She was gone on maternity leave. So I took over the program. It was a great, it was so awesome to do that. But then uh the print the administration didn't really like me because of my impact. Now, me being a bear pro in a classroom, I was very powerful. Very, very powerful, very influential, and my knowledge was on point. Every time where a teacher said something wrong, I'm like, hey, no, that's not right. No, this happened. Especially like in history or like in English. You know, I, if a student writing, if a teacher writing, talking about your essays, I'm able, I was able to kind of correct, like, no, nah, you got to fix that. Because I was actually right. I know what I was talking about. You know, I'm still, I'm still educated. And the thing was, let me realize, like, you know what? I need my own classroom one day. So they laid me off. I never went to Brazil to play football and coach football. While I was down there, I got to work at, I got to teach English at an English school. Was it an American school or was it a school in Brazil that just had an American curriculum? It was a, it was a Brazilian school that taught just American English. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was a, that's only, that was the only class they teach was American English. And um, my friend, Marty Sotomayor Johnny, great guy, a uh, great American fan, he uh, gave the opportunity to teach English there. And I taught English there. I have my own classroom. I had the Brazilian kids. Now, my Portuguese was okay. I was able to survive. So, but in the classroom setting, they gave me the advanced students who already can speak a little bit of English. So I had to like train them, teach about prepositions, pronouns, sentence structure, you know, how to communicate correctly in the conversation, how they were to write a paragraph. So I had to break these base. I, I was basically teaching third, fourth grade English in elementary school students, all the way to adults, grown adults. I was the little millionaires. Teaching millionaires. I had a guy named Johnny. He on his own. A grocery market, he had his own plane. You know, it's like that was an awesome experience for me. And then when I came back from Brazil, she was pregnant with my daughter. I left. I left for some time, and I came back because my wife was about to give birth. When I came back, the team came out. My team couldn't afford to bring me back, so I was like, "All right, cool. So what I'm gonna do? I played semi pro for a little while. One of my coaches actually called me up and said, "Hey, uh, I heard you're on a job. Hey, we uh we looking for a, I mean, a history teacher." And I was like, really? He was like, yeah, if you, you want to do it, man, come get you to do it. So I interviewed real quick, and boom, I was working in the Archdiocese teaching history at Hales Francis High School. That was my second official teaching job. And 
It was awesome. I love that. I got with the students. Uh, one thing about me, when, I, when I'm teaching the students and I'm impacting their lives, I'm mentoring to them, I'm talking to them, I'm very best in their lives. They pretty much click around me. Even to this day, I still have students from my first year of working at Race 704. And I talk to them on Facebook, you know, or they hit me up, whatever. Because being an educator, you, your job is to make impact. You want to teach them to make impact. And that's what they, I believe in. And then uh, fast forward you know, to all my teaching times now, here I am now in 2020. I've been teaching PE now for six and a half, six years. Um, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an athletic director as well now. My curriculum is crazy because I create my own curriculum. And my PE is math, science, social, emotional, physical health, biology, and regular PE all established in one class. Shout out to you because it's all of those experiences that you had that some people would have said that you didn't have a path and you were just here and you would, all of those experiences led you to this moment. Right. That's true. That's definitely true. That's definitely true. Now, what that will say is that so I worked in the charter schools. I have my bachelor's degree. I worked in the charter schools for five years. I was five years in, five years in, and I didn't have my certification. So my mom actually told me about a program through the state of Indiana. And I was like, what are you talking about? I, I had all the teaching credits of my undergrad, but the last minute I changed my major to kind of get graduated. So I was like, well, okay, let me try that. So I was about taking the test in Indiana. So I, I took the test in Indiana to be a charter school teacher. I took that test, and with the whole, Illinois, I don't know if you know about Illinois, we have a huge teacher shortage. Yes. Huge teacher shortage. Right now, Illinois is allowing reciprocity. Yeah, the reciprocity so between. So, is it for all states, or is Indiana one of the states that if you are licensed in Indiana, Illinois will all, all the states? Yeah, for right now, it's all the states. I can believe yes. that because it was very difficult to transfer a teaching license into Illinois. So, the fact that now they're offering reciprocity is incredible, and it shows how bad we are in need of educators. Yes. So, you know, and like for me, I did it. I went through the process. And I was already teaching. I was already teaching already. But now I'm certified now. And now being certified, it's like, oh, wow, okay. Now, you know, I got studying the talks that I'm talking now. Like, I got that on my chest now because now people can't, you know, people can't tell me, oh, you're a charter school teacher. You're just teaching. You don't even have your, your uh, certification. Well, now I got it. I do have a master's degree as well, too, as well. So I do have a master's degree. You know, I went from this kid, this small little fat chubby kid that came to the suburbs of Chicago, who was picked on, ridiculed, bullied, tormented, talked about, to now as a black man who stands in front of this school every day and gives a morning speech. I teach P, I teach help, I teach any type of subject that's out there. I can pretty much, if I incorporate my own classroom structure, I'm living proof it can be done. It can't be done. And I think, I kind of think that my educational career inspired my wife to get involved in education. She gets that because it's not her first rodeo education. She actually has some, she has some experience behind it too as well. But the thing is that for me, to the point where I'm at right now, sitting in my house right now, I can honestly say that I definitely worked all my life toward this moment. And it's true. It's true. Shout out to you, Michael, because that is a story that, I mean, like, from so many angles, 
like you can break that down and pull from that inspiration, like from the athletic side, from you moving from the city to the suburbs, from not being accepted by your peers, you still moving through all of that and staying connected to your goals in spite of what anybody got to say, but you listen to the good voices. So you took the advice of the people who asked you those hard questions. Like, why don't you have your bachelor's degree? That's a hard question. And you took it and you said, yeah, I'm going to get my bachelor's degree and my master's degree. Like you finished it. It didn't matter how long you took. And I think that's the power of having an educator with a story and an educator that can connect to you that you can see like it, it's not always just a straight line and people don't always have the answers the first time and it's okay because your journey is just as valuable as anybody else's journey and it's and in fact you have so many skills and exposure that an average teacher with an average track would not have who has taught english in brazil to people that own planes that's true. <laughs> so shout out to shout out to you for your journey, but always I will always say shout out to the paraprofessionals and the teachers assistants because people don't understand how crucial that role is in the classroom, in the school community, period. This is just one of many stories, and we want to keep the conversation going. Follow us on Instagram at blackeducators.matter and visit us online at www.blackeducatorsmatter.com. Now, back to our conversation. Tiffany, I do want to hear about your experience and how you became a teacher assistant. Were you inspired by your husband? Yeah, I was inspired by him. Originally, I had... Ooh, Lordy. Oh, uh, giving me many about 20 years ago. I have went into school for fashion design. And uh, so basically after high school, I took a year off. Went to, I, my parents were always, and what's interesting about me is I always valued education. When I was in a private school, I really wasn't a good student. Uh, I actually failed the constitution test like three times <laughs> before I graduate. And when I went to high school, my freshman year, I was put in remedial classes because I didn't do so well in elementary school. And one of my teachers, her name is Mrs. Wayne, uh, she had said to me, Tiffany, what are you doing here? And I'm like, well, what do you mean? She's like, you don't belong here, like meeting in like the lower track classes. And I'm like, I don't know, this is what my teachers from my elementary school put me here. She's like, no, we have to work to get you out of here. And I'm like, okay. And so she pushed me to the point where I was able to be in honors classes. Um, I had all honors classes um, by my sophomore year. Um, and then I actually ended up taking like double honors my junior year. So it, it, and so like by the time my senior year, it's like I had these honors classes, but then it's like, it made me realize too that, oh, okay, maybe, you know, I did have a difficult time in elementary school, but it doesn't really define who I am. And I think like during that time in my life, it made me realize too that, you know, just because you're not a so-called typical student when you're younger doesn't mean that you don't have potential to when you're older. And so, like, being older now, like, what we instill in our kids, and I always say, like, oh, I don't, like, they always would say, I don't know this. And even my kids at school are like, I don't know this. I, I don't know. I, you know, I'm not smart. 
And I always say, it's not that you're not smart. You just don't know. You need to try. You just have to try. Never say, I don't know, or never say you can't. Just say, I haven't tried. And so um, I use that as, as like part of the fixed mindset as far as for motivation. And so I always say to them, what you're doing now doesn't define who you are older. Because I used to think that when I was younger, because I didn't get the best grades when I was younger. I was like, okay. But then I realized that it really does divide who you are and your success when you're older. So fast forward, I graduated from high school with honors. And so my parents always told me it was interesting. They were like, you can either go to traditional school or you can go to a trade school. You can start your own business, how, whatever you want to do. And it was interesting because I was offered academic scholarships uh, to two schools. It was um, University of Illinois. I forgot the other school. And so I actually turned it down because I said, I want to open my own business. And so my parents were like, okay. I took a year off and then I decided to go to a trade school and I went for fashion design. My goal and inspiration was to have my own business. And so I went to school for four years and I ended up having my own design company for about 10 after that. So I did it around the city. I did a lot of things. I was in a couple stores. I did a lot of events. Actually, that was when I really started dating. I did a couple of selling events. It, it worked okay, but what the problem was that I, I definitely started getting kind of frustrated by a lot of what was going on because I realized, like, particularly in the fashion industry, it's really hard for African Americans in general to be, like, long-term successful. And I remember a couple times, I would, my, we would have to hire out, like, white models to sell for me so that people would buy my clothes. So I just, it was really, really tough, and I, I realized when we had our first child, I said, okay, this is really sustainable. And so I decided to just like let it go. And then after that, my husband was finishing up uh, his last two classes. After he had went back to where you have to finish everything, he went first. And I was like, he got to tell me, he's like, why don't you go back? You know, why don't you go back? And I was like, ah, and then he had went back. And I was like, okay. So then I decided to go back. At that point, I was working as a secretary for, it was a school, but it was actually a school that was, that had residential housing. And so I did that for about, I was there for almost three years. Yeah, I was there for almost three years. And that was like my first taste of working in somewhat education, but it was more like in the social services. I was like, okay, but I really liked as far as interacting with parents and with the students. When I went back to school, I said, okay, I'll just, you know, see where life takes me out. You know, I'll start off from there. I had left there and then I ended up getting another position at a public school as a secretary at a middle school. And so I had a lot more interactions in the school setting with the students, with the families. And I started noticing too, which was interesting, was that like being, like any support staff, like where you're saying, like with teachers and pair, or a teacher assistant and pair of pros, I actually also put administrative assistant and secretaries in the same category because they are honestly the glue that holds the school together. Absolutely. It's, how everything works is just like amazing and so having that position for i did it until what a year ago yeah a year ago now during the time when i was an administrative assistant um i had gotten my associates and so i kept on thinking you know what i want to teach i want to teach i want to do more of teaching when we had um our third child i became a stay-at-home mom and during that time, because I had 
educational credits. They had this nice position um, at this one child care place where you could be a preschool teacher and do it like part time. So I was like, great, you know, it was only a couple hours a week and I could teach kids and learn about planning and things like that. So I did that for about a year and a half and the program was really, really successful. We had people on the waiting list. And then I realized like, wow, I really am a good teacher. I was like, okay, let me, you know, look more into that. So I continued on with that. I am getting a position, I guess, as a secretary at another job, which I was at before I was teaching. I did that for about two and a half years. I like, what I liked about that particular job was that like during the summers, I was able to teach and get like the opportunities to talk to the other teachers and um, the experience of being around the kids and teaching. So that was really nice. But I knew like my heart was, I wanted to go and teach more long-term and seeing like the growth of my husband, I was like, you know what, I could do this. And after that, I ended up getting a position as a lead teacher for a preschool. So I did that uh, for about half a year this past year. And so I did that and I realized how successful that I was with it, which is where I am today. So then that was a private school. And then I ended up coming to public school, which is where I'm now. I knew my heart was always in public school because I always had started out at a residential facility for low-income families, at-risk youth. And what's ironic is that I still talk to a lot of the families and the kids to this day on Facebook. So I absolutely am doing that for that. But I knew that's where my heart always was with those kids. And I always realized how much they needed someone like me because I do notice, because I even noticed where I worked when I was in the residential facility, it wasn't that many of us that were teachers. And even in the department where I was at, I was the only one. Like everyone else, social workers, they wasn't, no one else was people of color but me. And so I was just like, okay. I was like, this is kind of, and the teachers and people that were people of color were like, they were called house parents. So like they would be the ones for the kids that would stay on campus. They would live with them temporarily during the week. A few people would be people of color, but for the most part, they weren't. And so I realized, too, that it was such a deficit because it wasn't that many of us. And especially in younger kids, like the exposure. And I even looked at my own life by going to a private school. I really didn't have that exposure being younger. So that's what mainly kind of put my focus to, like, working with younger kids. And even people who are not people of color, like, they do appreciate be having that exposure and being around like different people who are different than them because it gets them to understand culturally and how people are and realize the world it's made up of differences. So um, that really, it definitely helps a lot, especially for children. So yeah, so I was at the private school, did that, and then I ended up getting a position at public school, which is where I am now. I absolutely love, it, it's hard work because it definitely is more lower income. And a lot of the families don't have stability. The kids don't have stability. You know, even right now, it kind of breaks my heart. We have a few that are homeless. We have a few that had to move. One child is doing virtually from another state because her mom couldn't stay in her home. So it's really some tough, you know, stories that we're having to deal with. But, like, I really appreciate interacting with those families, and they do really appreciate, you know, the interactions that we have together and like two families I'm helping them to get laptops because they still have laptops so I'm working with another organization to try to get them that and it's just like 
I feel like that's really where my heart really is, is helping those who really need the help and having someone to know that care. Because I feel like with the babies, especially the younger kids, like when they have such a volatile background, they don't think anyone cares about them. They're just like, whatever. And then they end up being in the streets and they just don't care. So it's like, I really want to get to the younger kids because I feel like when you get them when they're younger, they're able to be more established and understand there is a meaningful life for them when they get older. So that's why for me, while my husband does high school, I do the younger thing because I feel like you want to catch them when they're young. You want to get them to understand the importance of you you know you are important you do matter because i feel like a lot of times like a lot of these kids they don't think they matter because of where they live or where they're from or you know they hear their parents or whoever's living with them that they don't matter they don't care they're just this or that and so they really need someone to show that they care and so that is like the main reason why for me why i wanted to go in teaching and i knew i wanted to go into specifically a public school in particular because i went to private school and I do value private school education, but I knew for me, I wanted to get to the youth at a young age, especially in public schools, because they really need that. It's incredible listening to both of you and listening to your stories because Tiffany, it's almost like you are the grown up that Michael needed when he was little, when he was being bullied. Y'all both listen to the good voices. Thank God for the teachers and the adults who saw you through all the other stuff. That teacher who said to you, like, you're not supposed to be in these classes. The teachers and coaches that supported you while you were dealing with all that SEL stuff that still saw you. Like, you talked about goals, but, like, y'all are legit hashtag couple goals. Because y'all are really doing it for the culture through education. And like you said, it's so important because teachers can be more influential than your parents. Are there any, like as we wrap up this conversation, are there any Black educators that you all would like to thank specifically by name? Oh, who is that? Oh my God. Hi. Say your name. What's your name? John Michael. John Michael. What's up, John Michael? How are you today? Yeah. <laughs> Do you miss school? school? Are you in school? Are you in school? Yes. Who's teaching you? Uh, Georgia. And who else is teaching you? Morgan. And who else? My friends. And who else is teaching you? <laughs> mommy. <laughs> mommy. <laughs> shout out to mommy and shout out to all the teachers. So you just named some of your teachers, John Michael. But what about you yeah. guys? Are there any black educators that you would like to thank? Yes, uh, I'll go first with this one. Mrs. McBurrows, my elementary school PE teacher. Mr. Joe Gordon, he, he was my biology teacher and my track coach. When my dad passed, he was a fellow alpha. He did the alpha ceremony for my dad. That was pretty awesome. That was, it was a stand-up moment for me. Oh, my God, who else? Mr. Mr. Watkins, Principal Watkins. He was the first black principal that I actually ran into. Dr. Kirkwood, Cynthia Hudson, Gerald Cheney, Cynthia Levy. Uh, Quince, my best friend, one of my best friends, Quincy Owens, who was same grade, same age, same grade as me, but he was teaching before I was, and uh, he, he stayed on me a lot too. Candace Booza, I'm trying to think, oh my gosh, so many people that kind of give shout outs to, because one thing about it is a whole village raised me, a whole village raised me, so, you know, my mom, my mom was a 
up to teach at my high school. So I gotta give credit. She's in my class, one of my classes. So I gotta give a shout out too. Those black educators, and my dad, my dad as well. My dad, uh, he wasn't a teacher. He went to Chicago State, but then he ended up, you no, know, he ended up trying to Chicago State going for the sheriff's department because he was more. I mean, he was he had to raise a family. So thanks to my dad with sacrifices, three jobs, you know, and let my mom be a stay-at-home mom for my first twenty-one years of my life. You know, so shout out to my parents for that. Shout out to the men above. The men above opened. The, the men above gave me the platform. You know, he gave me the platform. So, much love, shout out to See, for one thing about me is that I have an outstanding football career. You know, outside of me, my teaching is my football career. So, my teachers all, even when I was playing football overseas, or I made a, I made All American, whatever award achievement I got, it was always thanks to my teachers who, who came before me, who led me that way. Because without them, I would have been nothing. Because I could be one of those kids that committed suicide. You know, or you know, with the, with the wrong route, join the gang, and did a lot of things that I wasn't going to be doing. So, thanks to understand, I'm mean, my Boy Scout leader. Like, I was a Boy Scout as well. My Scout leader, it was crazy. My Boy Scout leader became a board member of the district, of high school district I was working in when I was 24 years old. Shout out to them and all my coaches and everything. And honestly, too, I will say this, though. It was just, more, for me, it was more than just my African-American educators. My Caucasian educators helped me out, too, as well. You know, they definitely did. Shout out to them too as well. They did get me through a lot. My my my, my two my two mentors, Mark Hobbins, was the retired athletic director, and James Miller, who was the athletic director of North Central College, they really, really pushed and inspired me to do a lot of great things to what I'm doing right now. So shout out to those guys. But honestly though, I'm gonna give a shout out to my wife as well because that's something she ain't telling you that. So my wife she, she sat on several committees for education. Watching her one is called Raise Your Hand. And I know they were big for like, she's going to raise your hand and raise your hand for kids with special needs. We have two sons, we have two kids with special needs. And you know, and she like really fights for these kids. For me to see that, how I fight was uh, five years ago, led me to where even in my school, even my, my past schools where I was sitting at IEP means as a general ed teacher and I would fight for these students to get the right services. Come on, advocacy. Come on, advocacy. <laughs> That's all right there. Thanks to her. Like, I sat in meetings where parents would show up, and I'm sitting in meetings like, no, we're going to put this in place. Let's go ahead and add this, uh, let's change this modification. Let's do this, uh, let's do this combination. I was big with helping out because I watched my wife, because I didn't know what a, really, you know, working in schools, I knew the kids special needs was in the classroom. That's all I knew. But when I saw her, I got to really know more about her and her, her thoughts on what we our child. Man, like, we IEP pros. People call, people call her all the time. Advice. I learned from her for that. It, like you said, a couple goals. Yeah, she definitely gave me some goals that kind of like grew on me, and I watched her struggles and I watched her successes. Now she can do more work as a teacher assistant than a lot of these special ed directors can. Because she sees so much. You see, and, and, and you had that office experience, so you know the back end, what happens with the data and turning it in and compliance and like connecting those dots. I think that's what it was, too, because um, being on the administrative side and seeing specifically the data, see how it works and how it's really important to have that information to be accurate. And so, yeah, I did kind of skip out that uh, part a little bit, but like our oldest, he is, he has special needs. And so seeing the struggles of him, and I kind of actually did my own research. I just basically self-taught myself about special education at first before I took um, official classes. 
Uh, which is kind of funny because when I actually had to take the courses, I already knew it from my self-experience with our oldest. And so um, that's how I ended up like getting involved with Raise Your Hand and other like organizations um, dealing with like advocacy and education. So that's also been important to me too with that. And actually the teachers who I've, I've worked with has definitely admired that because I have so much background and information on it. And then I think that's what helps me too with working with the students because I don't just look at them as being the difficult kid. I actually get down to figure out why, what's the triggers, what's going on, you know, what are they not understanding? And then, so like I'm able to, you know, give them insight and information what's going on firsthand. What black teachers do you want to thank, Tiffany? One of the teachers' name is Senior Caesar. He was my Spanish teacher in high school. He was the hardest teacher I have ever had in my entire life. I don't know where he is now, but. Uh, he was amazing because he had this don't quit attitude. This may be different. And he didn't believe in AIDS. He's like, I don't believe. And he had a really strong accent. He's like, I don't believe in AIDS. I don't believe in AIDS. But he would make you work hard for it because it's like he didn't believe in easy A's. He believed you had to work hard for it. And so I took that with me and instilled that in my teachings and instilled that with my own kids too. Another teacher, it was Ms. Bell. She was a wonderful, gentle teacher that I had. Also, Mr. Gordon, he was my advanced biology teacher. He was so tough and strict, but I loved him because I learned a lot um, in biology. He was amazing um, to me. So those were like the main teachers. Uh, and especially Mr. W- I never had a chance to tell Mr. Gordon that in like a Facebook friends, but like when this gets posted, you can tell him to listen. He'll be surprised. Yeah, but he he is such an amazing teacher. It is nice actually a teacher that cares, looks at your full potential. Miss Travis and Mr. Perkins. Man. Yeah, as you can tell, we was the same high school. I was gonna ask did y'all go to high school together because y'all show sure know a lot of people. Yeah, we uh, so I was. So our freshman year, my sophomore year, we dated for nine days. Nine days, well, nine long days. And she dumped me because I was, I was, I was being, I was bullying too much. So she wanted me part of that. She wanted me to be known with a with me. So she dumped me after nine days. And then that was ninety five. Yeah. And then nine years later, we went up on a train ride. Yeah. Did you and play like? Did you play some back then? They didn't want me. Now I'm hot. You all on me. How you make a? You should have. How you make her come back? We was just friends though for like four years after that, and then one day we was uh, it was New Year's Eve, and we went out. She was she was hanging out with me, my friends. Yeah. And then I looked at her, and I was like, mm. that was it. That was it. <laughs> she the one. You know, you always have life changing moments on the eve of major holidays: Christmas Eve, New Year's Eve. <laughs> yes, I proposed on Christmas Eve actually. See what I'm saying? See what I'm saying? Yeah. Y'all's story makes me happy. I, I thank you so much for sharing it. You both were extremely vulnerable, like walking through your experiences with education as a student and then how you grappled with the time between and then how y'all found y'all way back to the classroom. I love the fact that you guys inspire each other. Like I said it before for that couple's goals, but in real life, y'all really push each other and you encourage each other to dig deeper in your practice, and then it comes out to the kids. So it's like we all benefit from the love and, and mutual admiration that you guys have for each other. 
So thank you for coming. Thank you for sharing your story. And I want to officially go ahead. I'm so sorry. One last thing. You being bashful. She graduates next uh, next month. <gasps> what? Yeah, she graduated, so she'll she be probably, she might be teaching in the fall. Come on! So what are you graduating with? A bachelor's in early childhood practice at National Lewis University. So are you going to graduate as a licensed teacher? Will you have your teacher license when you finish, or do you have to go back and do... I, I will be... It's going to take a little bit longer now because of the COVID. Because of the closures, a lot of things got pushed back. So my original goal was to be a lead teacher in September, but... I just decided just to wait until next year. Like, I'm going to finish getting licensed, but it's going to take a little bit longer now because of it. But basically, by the end of this year, I will be licensed, and then I'll be able to have my own classroom. Amazing. Y'all are amazing. And you keep pushing each other higher. Before we know it, y'all going to have dueling schools, one for boys and one for girls, across the street (laughs) from each other. I love it so much. Any um, websites or social media presence that people can connect with you? Yeah, they can They can locate me at um, Tiffany Norwood. Okay. Facebook. And what about you, Michael? My Instagram is uh, Michael Norwood Jr. My Twitter is The Wood, T-H-A-T-H-A-W-O-D. Facebook, it's uh, Michael Norwood Jr. And you can also you can Google my name and it'll pop up. Well, I just want to thank y'all again and tell you officially, like everything that y'all do for the culture, it was, it is, and it always will be worth it. So thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you Danielle. So much. We appreciate you. Th- thank you, Danielle, for taking your time out right now to your hard work day. It's a podcast for us. We really appreciate being on it. Thanks to Gerald Cheney for recommending us. Yeah. I love uh, Mr. Cheney. Thank you guys for that. I appreciate it. And I hope we keep the, everybody prize. What well, was you guys? Yeah. God bless everybody. Stay safe. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Black Educators Matter. Remember, make excellence equitable and thank a Black teacher today.